Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Clown Chat Podcast. In this episode, uh, it's going to be actually pretty similar to the last one. I'm going to be, this is just a solo episode, just me. Um, I'm going to be um, going through, it's just, just Jacob, I should say. Huh. You know, I'm going to be going through the uh, latest mock draft that I've done. It's changed some since the last one that I did, and I just want to get a... Uh, you know, get this on the record. Um, you know, I've heard some different things over the last week, and I've kind of changed my projections for how this is gonna go. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that out here. Where you are, we are five days before the draft. I cannot wait. It's gonna be the probably the craziest draft um, in the last you know in a long, long time. Um, just with all the quarterbacks and all the talent at the top that's going to get pushed down. That top half of the first round is legit, man. And then it really starts to drop off. But you get that top half, it, it's something it's something crazy. So um, we're going to get into it. Uh, start at number one overall. I've got the Jaguars, and uh, this is pretty obvious for them. They're taking Trevor Lawrence, best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Um that he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be their franchise quarterback. And it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how he does his rookie year. And I guess the, you know, this has been set in stone. It's just about how Jacksonville can, can really help him, you know, in the early years of his career now. Um, going forward. So, yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be the number one pick. Um, number two, Jets. Got them taking Zach Wilson. I think this this is pretty much set in stone at this point too. Um, you know, after the Sam Darnold trade, uh, they're obviously going to pick him, and they're going to have to hope that they can do a little bit better job building around Wilson than they did Darnold. I definitely think that's a concern there, and and one reason why I don't know if I would have been so quick to give up on Darnold, <clears throat> considering the haul that they could have gotten for this selection, but you know this is what they decided to do, and. So this is what they're going to do, and we'll see if Zach Wilson can, can go there and turn that franchise around. Number three, 49ers. This is obviously the spot that the 49ers paid a lot to get up to. I mean, two two first-round picks in 20, you know, plus the pick this year. You know, basically the first-round picks for the next three years of the 49ers are now, you know, kind of dispersed throughout the league. Well, I guess they're both in Miami, but... Um, well, the pick this year is in Philly, and then the next two picks are. It, it, the trade was was wild, and anyway, then the Niners really just paid up to get up to the spot, and they obviously have a quarterback that they really like. Now, about the 49ers process here. Um. Well, I'll, I guess first I'll give the pick. So it's I've got them taking Mac Jones, and um, I heard some good stuff from. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated this week about the 49ers process in making the selection. I really thought it made a lot of sense and it was a smart way to handle it. So basically when they made the trade, they had reached a comfort level with um, three quarters. Obviously they like Lawrence and they like Wilson. And that that's the thing that to, to give that up to number three, if it doesn't go the way you expect, you have to be prepared you know, no matter what, that you have three guys that you like. That's why we haven't really seen more trades happen here before the draft. Because teams have to be sure of what they're getting before they give up that. There's got to ask that. So the 49ers reached a point where they were 
They were sure about Mac Jones. They said, okay, if this is the baseline we're getting, we're happy with that. We want to make this move. But that does not mean that there is a 0% chance they take somebody else. If they go through their process and, you know, they study Trey Lance and they study Justin Fields and, and they say, oh, you know, Trey Lance, you know, has a lot of the things we like about Mac Jones, but he's got athletic ability too. And he just has more potential. Maybe we were better off with him or, you know, I don't know what, what we, were we missing about this Justin Fields guy? He can really, you know, he's really got a lot of upside too. Maybe we should take him. Just the speed, the ability to, to throw the ball, like, oh my gosh. Like, maybe we should take him. So, that's kind of what the 49ers have been doing, and that's why you've consistently heard, like, Mac Jones stuff. But lately, it's been, oh, they might like Trey Lance, they might like Justin Fields, and people have all, all their sorts of theories on what they're going to do. I'm going to have them taking Mac Jones. This, this is the pick that's been projected to them all along. Um... I think the logic there with them is is they think that he can <clears throat> come in and just you've got a really good offensive infrastructure there and he can just operate that really well and he's he's a good fit for them. Um, you know, I don't think this is a hundred percent though. If you ask me to quantify it, I would say like seventy to seventy five percent chance they go Mac. Actually, no, seventy percent chance they go Mac. 25% chance they go with Lance and then 5% chance they go with just Justin Fields. I don't think they're going to take Justin Fields. I'm, you know, that's kind of the impression I've gotten. I think he's definitely the least likely to go here, but Lance, the case for Lance is, um, and the reason why I would kind of look past all the smoke trains a little bit and think, well, maybe they're going to take Lance. It's because of the whole insistence that, that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on their team next year. If you're taking Mac Jones, I really don't think you need Jimmy Garoppolo still there because I think Mac is going to be ready on day one. That's his thing. He's he's the most pro-ready of these quarterbacks, even more so than a Lawrence. You know, he's liable to have the best rookie season if he plays. Um, will he be the best player long term? Probably not. But he could he could be certainly be better than last last of this group long term and. You know, you're getting stuff out of him right away. You, you, he's pretty safe, I think. You know what he's going to be. Um, so, like, I think his upside is probably tops out as a, as a Matt Ryan type, a Kirk Cousins type, a Derek Carr type, something like that. But that's still a pretty good quarterback, you know? Um, it's not that top level that some of the other guys might be able to hit. But, you know, so... The case for Lance would just be that, you know... This, they're obviously insistent on keeping Garoppolo around this year, and Lance is going to be a guy who needs a year. Like he just needs a year, and so you could you could see a scenario where this, this is why they're so certain that they've got to keep Garoppolo is because they know they're going to take Lance, and they know that it's going to be a year. Um, I, I'm just going to lean towards Mac Jones. It's what I've heard from the most people, and it's just I don't know what the point necessarily of like hiding the pick from everybody is at this point i mean we know what the first two picks are going to be pretty much like and if either one of those guys falls to you you're happy with it so um i don't know what the point of keeping you know everybody from knowing about this mac jones thing is i think that's why there's been so much buzz about so I i'm gonna i'm gonna lean towards all the speculation here i'm gonna give them mac jones but okay, don't be shocked be a little surprised 
but don't be shocked if they end up picking Trey Lance. Um, but yeah, so they get Mac Jones. We're going to move on to Atlanta, and this is really a key pivot point of the draft. Atlanta can really do three different things, and um, there's a really strong case to be made for each, to be honest. I mean, this is a really huge decision for this new front office, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, the new coach, and, and all that stuff. So they can take a quarterback here. Obviously, in, in this case, Lance and Fields are still on the board. Lance could be an, an ideal guy here just because you know you're going to have to sit him anyway, and you're tied to Matt Ryan through at least this year, maybe next year. You could get rid of him next year. Um, his, his cap hit is $48 million if he's on the roster. $40 million if he's released. So either way, I mean, it's kind of a rough situation there. And then, and then you know, you're set up long-term at quarterback, obviously. The case against... That is obviously Matt Ryan is still a really good quarterback and he's going to have probably five, five years left. And, you know, taking a quarterback here really is going to signal like, okay, there's going to be a longer, you know, retooling rebuild at play here. And maybe they're okay with that. It's a new regime. Maybe they're fine with that, but, um, that's really what it's going to signal. And you're also, with the whole Matt Ryan's you know, salary cap thing, you're also going to be really lighting. You know, one of the biggest advantages of taking a young quarterback in, in this era of football is having that rookie-scale contract that really allows you to load up around them early in their career and you know, really kind of make some runs before they really hit their peak, if you will. So I don't, you know... That's a pretty big negative here because you're not going to be able to take full advantage of that until, you know, 2023. And then you'll have a couple of years, sure. And and maybe it won't matter because Lance needs the time to sit anyway. But it's just like, you know, there's some, there's some negatives to them going quarterback. Then you've got the... Uh, you've got the Kyle Pitts option, which is, you know, obviously the case for it is I think he's the second best player in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence. I think he's definitely the best non-quarterback in the draft. I mean, to have a tight end that can do the things he can do in the passing game, I mean, the guy is a freak, and it, it, he's a matchup nightmare, and I don't see how a non another non-quarterback can be picked over this guy. I mean, to have a receiving threat at that position is just such a mismatch. And it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of how you build the rest of your offense. And, you know, if you're the Falcons, you know, to be able to give Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley to throw to, I mean, oh my God. And they have Hayden Hurst, who, who they got last year. I mean, so they can run a lot of two tight end sets, which I've long maintained is the best offensive formation in football. Because it just gives you so much balance in terms of, you know, you have ex some extra blocking in the run game, but you also have like an another pass receiving threat. It's not like having a fullback in there or something. So I have long maintained, um, and I'm a Patriots fan, so maybe I'm biased there. You know, that's obviously what we're going to run. You know, that's what we run with some, ran with some of our most successful offenses in the Brady era. Like, but I've just long been partial to that formation, and you can run that formation there with Hayden Hurst and. Kyle Pitts. The negative is is it I guess is it worth taking um a tight end this high? You know, it's not a position a lot of people a lot of people don't see this as a premium position. I personally do. 
think I, I value it more than most people, but a lot of people would say this is not a premium position. And it's just, you know, I, I, I guess the defensive thing would be a factor here as well. Um, you know, you're not addressing your defense, which is the real weak point of your team, and you've already got two elite pass catchers, so is it worth adding a third? I guess my counter to that would be Julio Jones is getting older, and eventually, you know, he's got a couple years left, but eventually you're going to have to replace him. And, you know, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts as a foundation for your passing game long term is going to be a very scary thing for defenses to face. Then the third option Atlanta has is to trade down. They can, uh, you know, if, if they find an offer that's suitable, this is the best. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. This is the best route for them to take. They, they have a good offense already. Matt Ryan can still play, but they need defensive help. I know they got A.J. Terrell in the draft last year at corner. I know they've got, you know, some pieces, Deion Jones, throughout their defense, but they need a lot more. They were bad on defense last year. So if they can move down and they can get an impact defender and, you know, some extra assets, I think this is far and away the best route they can take. The problem with that, and this is why, by the way, this is why I have them taking Kyle Pitts here. Um, so the, the, the problem, the reason why, a you know, the negative part here about the trade down, right, is... Um, you know, you have to find an, a partner. And is there a team that is going to be willing to part with a 49ers-like package to come up here? I don't personally think so. I think that that market has been tapped out already. And I could be wrong. And if a team like Denver, you know, where you're only moving down to number nine, um, the team like... The team like Denver called and said, hey, here's nine in our number one next year. I think you do that. That's a perfect deal for you because you could get, you know, Sertan or someone like that and get that pick next year. That that That's the perfect move for, for them to make. The problem with that, and then obviously if you're going to move down with a New England or a Washington or something like that, you need two number ones. And I don't know who's going to be willing to give up, you know, the – this pick this year and two more number ones. I, I don't know who's going to be willing to do that for the number four quarterback. So, um, and and in Denver's case, I don't know that Denver is going to feel like they've got to get up here to do it. You know, I think they're they'd be interested in, and I shifted on this. I don't necessarily think they should be that interested in quarterback. But I think they're going to be interested in quarterback. But I don't think they're going to be interested interested enough to give up their number one next year. Um, so just just looking at all of that, I think the best move for the Atlanta to make, if if the if the trade offers are not going to be suitable, just take Kyle Pitts. He's the best player on the board. Just take him. Don't overcomplicate it. Try to address your defense the rest of the draft, and you're going to have a receiving core that just terrifies people next year. And then Matt Ryan is going to be someone who get all these guys the ball. You know, Atlanta is still, I think, a threat to to make a wild card next year. I don't think this is a bad team at all. Um, they obviously went, you know, had a really difficult season, but um, their point differential indicated, you know, a much 
closer team to the middle of the road and if they can really upgrade some things i think the coaching is going to be a lot better arthur smith is going to get matt ryan and the system he had most success in and um yeah so that that's kind of my spiel on atlanta but we've got them taking coppets number five cincinnati um i think this pick is fairly obvious i think if jamar chase is there they're taking him um Obviously, the LSU connection with Joe Burrow. And uh, the thing is, since he is going to want, out of the early parts of this draft, they're going to want a pass catcher, and they're going to want an offensive lineman. The thing is, if they went line first and receiver second, the problem is, so the lineman you're getting is going to be an elite left tackle. Well, they've already got a couple guys at tackle. They have um, Jonah Williams. They have Riley Reef. What they really need, I think, is more of a guard. So, are you going to start Panay Sewell with guard if you take him? I mean, I guess you could kick Reef inside. I mean, but... And then you look at the second-round receivers. Well, I think a lot of those guys are slot guys. They're good players. They'd help Cincinnati. But I think they're slot guys. So, if, I think if you want... Whereas, like... The route I have them taking, obviously, was taking Chase now, and then I think they'll look to address the line in the second round. You know, you get that elite receiver here, and then you can find a guard in the second round. I understand that protecting Joe Burrow after what happened last year is the most important thing for that franchise, but um, I think you can do that a little later in the draft. I don't think you have to do that here. I think, you, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is the best pure wide receiver in this draft second best pass catcher behind Pitts. so you take him and you uh and, and you reunite him with joe burrow and i think that's going to mean a lot of good things uh potentially for cincinnati um you know it's going to take him a little bit to get on you know get under from the bottom of that division you know it's going to be hard with you know i think pittsburgh is a team in decline but the ravens and the browns look primed to be good teams for a while and um, but you know, I, I do think Joe Burrow is a good quarterback and, and that'll give Cincy a chance if they can build around him properly. So yeah, Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. Number six, um, we've got Miami. Um, I think Miami is, is you know, this is a team that is not going to be happy with how the top, the, the fourth and fifth pick went. I think they moved back up here with the idea that they were going to get Kyle Pitts, um, and that didn't work out for them. So um, I think they're really going to be hoping Atlanta goes quarterback so that Pitts falls to them. Uh, you know, in the absence of, of being able to take Pitts, I have them taking Panay Sewell. I think he's, um, you know, you could, if you're Miami, you could just go ahead and grab Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith here. But, you know, I think Sewell was the best prospect on the board. And it's not like Cincinnati's offensive line is... Uh, like the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I know they drafted uh, Austin Jackson in round one last year, but you can kick him over to the right side. I know they drafted Hunt in the second round last year, but like he can play guard. I mean, you can really shift some things around in a way to make this all work. And Sewell is a prospect that was going to lock down the left side of your line for a long time. Um, or I guess Sewell, since Tua is a, a you know left-handed, you could just stick Sewell on the right. That would be an interesting plan as well. But either way, however it shakes out, you know, I don't think 
protecting uh, Tua and, and giving him some more help is, is a bad way to go here that way. Um, again, you prefer Pitts, but if, if, if he's gone in this scenario, um, you could look to... I also think if Pitts is off the board, Miami could look to trade down again. Um, but in this case, they don't find an offer, so they, they just go ahead and they take Sewell. Um, number seven, we have a trade. So this is going to be Denver trading up from nine to seven. So the full terms of the trade are Detroit's going to get pick, you know, the ninth pick, the 71st pick, the 114th pick, 191st pick, and 239th pick. And Denver is going to get pick seven and pick 152. So, um, I guess basically, again, they swap first round picks. Uh, Detroit gets a three, a four, a six, and a seven. And then Denver gets a five back. So the four and the five, I guess, is, is more of a swap. But, um, yeah, so this is going to be Denver jumping up to take Justin Fields at, at number seven. And the reason why they do that, you know, this is under the assumption that they like Fields the best. I think they're going to want a guy who can play this year. They're trying to win this year. Um, I do think, and I don't have these trades exactly mapped out, I do think this is just going to be a start at quarterback for them. I think look for them, if they do this kind of a trade, look look for the Broncos to um, to make a deal for Teddy Bridgewater to be kind of the, the bridge guy um, behind Fields and look for Drew Locke to be shipped out, to be shipped out. Um, you know, there's enough teams that need quarterbacks. I think you could get, you could get something back for Drew Locke. Um, I think he's worth a look. Um, and, and this is, you know, I don't really agree with this for Denver, to be honest with you. Like, look, look, I mean, look at Drew Locke. He played the latter end of his rookie year and he was pretty good for them, to be honest. Like he did well, you know, it was, a. You know, he, he looked like a really intriguing prospect for Denver and, and to the point where last year they were like, oh, we're not in the quarterback market at all. And then last year happened. And I know last year didn't go great for him. But I don't think he's a lost cause at all. Last year didn't go great for a lot of people, right? It was not not a good year, 2020. So, um, I mean, like, like, what has Drew Locke done that's so bad that, like, Daniel Jones hasn't done? Like... If we're talking about Denver needing a quarterback, shouldn't we be talking about, like, the Giants needing a quarterback? Shouldn't we be talking about, you know, a lot of other teams needing a quarterback? I mean, it's just, I I think it's a year too early to give up on this guy. I get it because it's such a good quarterback class, but it's like, I do think it's a year too early to give up on Drew Locke. And I definitely think if he gets traded somewhere else, there's a chance he, he emerges as at least, like, a quality starter type long term. Um, but... I've heard enough smoke about Denver going for a quarterback. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and give them fields here in this trade up. Uh, I do like fields a lot. I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft and, and maybe Denver agrees. And that's why they're doing this. I think they're doing it to get ahead of Carolina. I think Carolina, if fields is there, I think they would consider taking him. So this is the whole logic there. Um, and Carolina's also a trade-out team. Someone could could jump you. So Denver is going to get aggressive um, and, and, and move up here. Obviously, Detroit, if you do this, this is just a stockpile picks. You're getting 
you know, a net three picks in this draft. Um, obviously, a couple of them are late, but that third rounder is pretty good. And um, maybe I don't have them getting enough. I don't know. But, I mean, it's a two-spot jump. I think this is, this is pretty fair. This is certainly advantageous to Detroit on the trade value chart. Denver definitely paid a quarterback tax here. But, um, you know, Detroit is just going to be stockpiling picks. They're trying to bring in a lot of young talent, and, and they can do this. As we probably get the player they were targeting anyway, potentially, you know, so um that's kind of that that's kind of the logic there, but yeah, so that's uh that's gonna be me the seventh pick. Number eight, Carolina. This is a very interesting spot because I think this is definitely a trade down point. Um in this case though, I have them sticking because of the way that this just went with Denver jumping to seven. But I think especially if Denver stays at nine, this is a huge trade point because teams are going to be trying to, you know, jump ahead of Denver to get the fourth quarterback. Um, so this is, this is definitely a significant point in, you know, the, you know, as far as trading up and um, I think there's a good chance they'd move, you know, obviously they got Sam Darnold, um, so they're going to give him a look next year, but you know, if they, if they got a pick next year, it could help them recoup what they gave up for, for Darnold. Right. So, you know, it makes sense for them, I think, to move back. Um, of course, Justin, from what I've heard, Justin Fields going here to Carolina is not impossible. They have not picked up Darnold's fifth year option yet. They could absolutely just take Fields and and shift Darnold to another team. I mean, it's not like they they might not get what they paid, you know, to the Jets, right? But it's not like you would uh just get nothing back for Sam Darnold. I mean, there'd be teams interested, right? So uh, I definitely think that's not an impossibility for Carolina. But <clears throat> in this case, you know, if Fields is off the board, I don't think they're going to go with. Trey Lance here, um, obviously somebody who needs a year to develop. I don't think he's a fit in this situation. So um, I have them picking Rashawn Slater. Um, so I think, you know, absent all of this, you know, if they can't move back, I think the best thing you can do is to make sure that um, Sam Darnold can be as successful as possible. You can get as good of an evaluation on him as possible. Um, they could use a left tackle. Um Obviously, they're hoping Sewell drops here, right? But Sewell does not drop here. And so Slater is a guy who might have to kick inside the guard eventually. But, like, you know, you could you could deal with that when the time comes. Um, you know, he's a really good, technically sound prospect. And um, you could throw him into left tackle and, and see how it goes. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, that's going to be this pick here. So, number nine. Obviously, Carolina just traded down. Or, I mean, not Carolina. Detroit just traded down with Denver. They're going to pick ninth. Um, they would have probably considered Slater if he was here, actually. But, you know, they still do the trade. It, it works for them, um, I think. So they get uh, they got Micah Parsons. And I know this is probably a little surprising um, because of their clear wide receiver need. But... I don't think, you know, this is just looking at, at a guy like Dan Campbell um, and, and this new regime up in Detroit. 
I don't, I'm not sure this is a group, and, and maybe trading down would make it first would make it more palatable, but I don't necessarily think this is a group that's going to want to start off their, their tenure there with picking a wide receiver. You know, they just don't seem like those kind of guys. I think they're going to want to take, you know, a physical player who can kind of set the tone that way. And I definitely think a lineman's a possibility here, even though they're, you know, they've got, you know, Taylor Decker is a, you know, cornerstone left tackle. And um, they, they could, Slater would probably fit here because you could either play him at guard or right tackle. Um, but in this case, I have them taking Micah Parsons. He, he, you know, just, he can be the tone setter for their defense at that linebacker spot. And uh, this could be, uh, this could be a move that, you know, kind of sets the tone for the way they want to do things up there. And um, again, Jared Goff probably doesn't love this pick because he wants to throw to somebody besides Tyra Williams and Brashad Perryman next year. But um, yeah, the, the, that's going to be the pick here. Now we've got another trade. The Patriots have traded up with the Dallas Cowboys. So the Patriots are going to get pick 10. Cowboys are going to get pick 15, pick 96, pick 177. And here's the big one. They're going to get cornerback J.C. Jackson in this trade. Um, obviously Jackson, uh, second in the league in interceptions last year and <clears throat> really emerging young corner that you know Dallas needs a corner he's going to be able to step right in there and contribute to their defense and be a big upgrade and the problem is um for the Patriots and, and this is why they're so willing to include Jackson in this um you know with Jackson and Stephon Gilmore hitting free agency next year I don't think they're going to be able to pay both of those guys so I actually think based on everything I've heard, I think it's more likely they reach like a short-term type of extension with Gilmore. And I don't think they look at Jackson as someone, <clears throat> you know, he's someone who's excelled opposite Gilmore. You know, Gilmore's been the cover guy and Jackson's been the guy who's, you know, been able to make some plays on the ball, right? And kind of play off of that. I don't think they necessarily see him as like a number one corner. I think they see him as like a really, 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 really good number two. So I don't really think they want to pay him number one corner money. And, um, you know, this makes sense for Dallas. You get Jackson. You get to evaluate him for a year. Kind of like the Chiefs just did with Orlando Brown, right? You get to evaluate him for a year, and then and then you can pay him. Um, I mean, it's not like you're really giving up a ton to get J.C. Jackson. Like, you know, he's essentially, you know, a big part of the, of the quarterback tax here for this pick. So, um, you know, you... I don't even know if there'd be that much pressure or blowback if you let him walk in a year, right? I think, I mean, you probably get a comp pick, right? So, and and if you get a got a third round comp pick, that's probably still meeting the trade chart terms of this trade. So, like, and I have Jackson valued at around a second rounder, by the way, if, if you're wondering about that so they essentially they get a two with a, and i have the five kicked in there just because the patriots three is so low um i think you know an extra pick here is fair maybe I, th this isn't even enough but you know i think if you're dallas dipping back getting a couple extra picks in this draft um you know neither corner has gone yet so if you want to double dip there you can you know there's some other defensive players you could take they could go offensive line down at 15 um trading trading down makes sense for for 
for Dallas, and they can kind of replenish that roster a little bit with some some more young talent, and obviously take a take a look at Jackson, um, which frees them up to do something, you know, besides corner at fifteen if they wanted to. Obviously, for New England, we all know what this is for. This team needs an answer in the post-Tom Brady world. Um, they need an answer at that quarterback spot long-term. Cam Newton is probably the guy this year regardless, but, you know, Cam is not the long-term answer. Um, he's on a one-year contract again. If he has a really good season, he's probably not, you know, not going to be back. So, um, well, it, I guess if they didn't draft anyone, he could be back, but, you know. In this case, he, he would definitely leave to start somewhere else, right? So, if you're the Patriots, you've just got it. This is such a good class. The the fifth guy is still here. You've got to make this move. They're going to pick Trey Lance here. And um, you let Lance sit, sit for a year, develop behind Cam, and then in 2022, uh, you know, you can install him as your starter. And obviously, for the Patriots, this is ideal because you give up a player that you know, you probably weren't going to be able to pay. You give up a couple of, of mid-rounders from this year's draft, which, you know, you have probably more picks that can, than can make the team anyway. So, yeah. Um, and, and you keep your draft intact next year when, you know, you may have more needs than you have this year, right? You know, you may need to replace an offensive tackle. You may need another corner if you can't keep Gilmore. You may need a linebacker if you can't keep Hightower. I mean, there's some other, you know, you may need a safety if, if you know, Devin McCourty is, is not someone you pay. So there, there's a lot of free agents coming up next year for the Patriots. They're still going to have some cap flexibility, but it's not, not going to be this year all over again, right? So they may have to make some choices and, um, you know, having those picks next year will help. I, I, I should address this too. Um, you know, obviously it's not a given the Patriots are gonna trade up for a quarterback. I think it's gonna happen. That's why I have, have this here, but um I think you know, if if it doesn't happen and if they're stuck at fifteen, um you know, if Atlanta decides, Oh yeah, we wanna pick a quarterback and then you know, Denver says, Oh crap, we've gotta get aggressive and get the last guy if if we wanna take one. Uh, and and if they get to and, and if the Patriots are just shut out, then I would think corner is the spot I would like to see them address again because of the whole you know Gilmore uh, Gilmore Jackson thing. Corner is the ideal spot for them to pick. If they can't if they can't take a corner for some reason, then um, you know I would look at Micah Parsons if he fell that far. I would look at one of the Bama receivers. I would look at. You know, maybe a Christian Darasol would make sense, and that's prob probably one of those five guys is going to be there. So, um, and if it's not, then you know you take whoever's fallen, I guess. But that that's kind of what I'm thinking for for them. But yeah, in this case, they get Trey Lance, and this is works out a good a good way for New England. Number eleven, we've got the Giants. They're going to take Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman. Um, this is a little bit of a reach, but. Um, again, the Giants are a team I think that's hoping that maybe Slater would be here. And um, I think they need to go offensive line to help protect Daniel Jones. They obviously signed Kenny Galladay in the offseason. Um, otherwise, they'd be a threat to take receiver here. But 
Um, you know, the right side of their line is a little iffy. So I think, you know, getting a guy with positional versatility who can really play either spot over there would make sense. Um, even if this is a little bit of reach. And honestly, reaching on an offensive lineman, I mean, he just, from what I understand, he just did it last year. I mean, the Andrew Thomas that they took fourth, that was not projected to be the fourth pick. So, um, you know, them reaching on an offensive lineman is very Dave Gettleman. So that's what I have them doing here. Um, you know, it is a need. They do need to protect Daniel Jones, but. Again, another reach that they could do. They could do pass rusher um, at the spot. They need one of those. They also, even though they've never, they haven't really done it in the past, I think they could trade down if someone wanted to jump up here and get, you know, a corner or a receiver or something. Um, but the problem is for the Giants, they, they hit those in free agency. They really need to hit the trenches in the draft, and this doesn't really line up ideally for them. Some of my previous mocks where Slater was available, um, were a little bit uh a little bit more beneficial to the Giants. But uh Yeah, so they're gonna take Verup Tucker. Number twelve, Eagles. They are thrilled here because this is a team, again, they could take a Bama receiver. They do need a guy to to help out Jalen Hurts this year, but they really need a corner on their defense and Sertan look if Dallas sticks a ten, Sertan's going there, right? So the Eagles are hoping that someone trades into that spot. So that because that's the only way they're gonna get their hands on this guy. But in this case that happens and Sertan's available and they run to the podium with this. They don't you know, they I don't even know how much time time they're gonna take off the clock, right? Like this is just a clear pick, I think, for the Eagles, um to to, to get Sertan, um, really make him a cornerstone of their defense fill that corner need and they can attack receiver in the second round. Um, number 13 chargers got them taking Christian Darius all the left tackle. Um, very simple. You need to protect Justin Herbert. They have a hole there. It's such a key spot. You can't have a hole there if you've got a young quarterback like that. And um, I was a little surprised that the, that the chargers were not in on the whole Orlando Brown thing. Um, I think that would have made some sense. Um, you know, they have the cap space to pay him too. So I, I think locking in a guy like that would have made some sense, but I think their thinking is they can probably get Darisol here. And so it doesn't really make sense to give up a whole bunch of draft capital, which I understand. So, um, number 14, we've got another trade and this is Miami jumping up. They obviously had the have the 18th pick on top of the pick they made earlier at six, but they don't have the 18th pick anymore. They are going to move up from 18 to 14 and the full terms of the trade dolphins are going to get pick 14, pick 78 and pick 168. And the Minnesota Vikings who were supposed to pick at 14, the Vikings are going to get pick 18, pick 50. So obviously the motivation for the Vikings to trade down is I think they're going to be looking for edge rush I think it's a little too high for an edge rusher. And this is also kind of this also kind of makes up for the whole um Yannick and Gakwe trade last year where they traded for a second that's their second rounder for him in preseason. It, it didn't really work out. 
and they ended up flipping him to Baltimore for a third. So to get him back uh, definitely makes, you know, to kind of not, not to get him back, but what am I saying? Um, to get the, the draft capital essentially back, you know, flipping one of your thirds for, you know, this second rounder, you, you know, and getting that as part of the, the transaction here. Um, I think this is a big win if you're Minnesota and you definitely take it to um, kind of position yourself. But, and obviously, you know, offensive linemen's a need for uh, Minnesota as well. And, um, you know, this allows them to, whatever they can't hit in round one, you know, they hit in round two. You know, as far as offensive line and edge rush. For Miami, this motivation is clear. They've got the extra capital this year, and they see these two Bama receivers still on the board. And they say, well, we've got to go get one of these guys. They're both still here. We get our preference. I mean, this is, they would have considered one of these guys at six. This is just an unbelievable turn of events for the Dolphins to be able to move up and get one of these guys. And I've got them picking Jalen Waddle here. Um, I understand the whole Devontae Smith argument of, you know, well, he was the Heisman winner, you know, he's the more precise throughout, you know, all, all this stuff, you know, in favor of Devontae Smith. And all that's true. But the thing is, is Jalen Waddle is so explosive and he's such a game changer, you know, with his speed. And um, I definitely think he has more upside. The thing with Devontae Smith that concerned me is just his size. I mean, he's, he's not even 170 pounds. So... That would concern me. And uh, so, yeah, I've got them taking taking Waddle here, you know, to be the guy for, for, for them to really, um, you know, I don't know if they'll keep Will for the long term, but you got to get uh, Jalen Waddle. And, um, and yeah, this is scary for me as a Bats fan, to get, for, for them to get Waddle and Sewell. Yikes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have the, the rest of this a bit later. Hi. All right. I'm back. So I just had to stop for a minute. So um, we're going to kind of get back to it here. Uh, first, we're going to actually go through a couple sponsors. So sponsor number one is uh, per36.com, best basketball analytic website on the internet. Um, you can check out uh most recent article on there is an article on uh, did LeBron James Cavaliers in his first in get too good too quickly? Um, so there's a lot of great basketball analytics uh information on the website i highly recommend that you check that out another sponsor we've got is uh show off training show off training train with purpose um there's a check them out on uh on instagram they've got a lot of uh different products that you can uh use to, to, to help help out with personal fitness on uh, facebook uh facebook live sessions uh there's all, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, also check out Show Off Trading, the podcast. Um, you know, that's a podcast that, uh, that that they've been doing. And it's just about um, health and wellness and things, things like that. And I was actually on there uh, last week. I was just discussing my fitness journey and uh, all, all that stuff. So I, I highly recommend that, uh, that you check that out as well. And, uh, yeah, let's get back to it. So... Uh, before we stop, yeah, we are just just to wrap up number fourteen. Uh, Miami trading up for Jalen Waddle. Um, 
it, it, it just, uh, you know, it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big move for them to really upgrade their skill positions around Tua, and, uh, yeah. Um, so now let's move on. Um, Cowboys at number 15. G they're going to take JC Horn here. Obviously they traded down here with New England. Um, they're going to, they're going to double dip a corner. Obviously they've already added JC Jackson. They have Trevon Diggs, but you need three corners in the NFL, not two. And, you know, to get a guy who really reminds me of a young Gilmore in a lot of ways, um, to, to, to get a guy like that to, to play opposite of Jackson and then you've got Diggs is your other guy. I mean, that's a lot of good, uh, there's a lot of good corner corners on that team. And, um, all of a sudden that's going to really help their defense, um, improve. It really will. You're going to see that defense go from the bottom to, you know, it's really going to help them not, not be such a bad defense anymore. It's going to give Dak Prescott a chance to now healthy, going to give him a chance to lead this team back to the playoffs. So, um, should be uh should be a good move for for Dallas to get Horn. He's who I want. If the Patriots can't trade up, that's who I want the Patriots to take. Um, he just reminds me of a young Gilmore, and um, I'm really intrigued by Horn. Um, he I think he's a really good prospect. Number sixteen, the Cardinals. Um, you know I think they're another team that's going to be looking corner, but given the way the board has gone. And given the premium they place on this position on their offense, they run this to the podium. They're going to take Devontae Smith. They run this to the podium because uh, and they like to run a lot of four receiver sets. And um, they, Again, this is Cliff Kingsbury's team. He's the coach. And um, I think they're going to try to outscore people. Um, I know they need a corner, but, you know, Alford and... Malcolm Butler and Byron Murphy, maybe they go for one in the second round. Who knows? Um, you know, they're going to really just try to get leads and then be explosive and wide open on offense and then turn the ball over to J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones uh, as far as their pass rush. And, you know, they have, obviously, A.J. Green's on a one-year deal. Um, you have... DeAndre Hopkins is the cornerstone there. Larry Fitzgerald probably going to retire and not come back. Green, you know, Green, who knows if he'll be there long term or if he'll get back to his old form. And then you have, you know, Christian Kirk is is a good player, but I think he's going into the last year of his deal. And um Andy Isabella hasn't really emerged yet, so this is really gonna allow them to play that wide open offense that we know they want to play. And it's going to be something where they can really throw a lot of four receiver sets on the field and they can really challenge teams like, Hey, you know, cover, cover AJ Green or Devontae Smith with a number three corner one-on-one -on -one. or, um, you know, try covering a, a guy like Christian Kirk with your, your number four corner, a guy who, who maybe doesn't play defense on. Maybe he's a special teamer mostly, and he's going to have to cover and play defense for you. I mean, there's a lot of different mismatches that this pick entails, and it's just the best player available pick. I, mean, I think Smith is clearly the best player on the board here, and for the Cardinals to get him here at number 16 is a big win um, for that franchise. Number 17, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they're taking tackle Tevin Jenkins. Um Obviously, for some reason, they decided to dismantle what was a pretty good offensive line on the offseason. Um, I, I, I will say this. The 
the Trent Brown thing, he went really healthy for them, so I get them not, you know, shipping Trent Brown to New England, but I don't really get why they got rid of Gabe Jackson and um and Rodney Hudson. That really didn't make a lot of sense to me, but they did it and now they're gonna need to rebuild through the draft. So you know, obviously Jenkins is going to be the Trent Brown replacement. Um, he'll be the long-term bookend for Colton Miller. Uh, you know, good good move for for the for the Raiders to get this spot fixed and protect their car. Number eighteen, Vikings obviously traded down into the spot. Um, I said kind of earlier that they uh, they would be looking for pass rusher and they'll trade down to do so and. Um, again, because Ngakwe didn't work out, they need a long-term fix there, and they're going to take Quiddy Pay, and he's going to be that for them. You know, again, Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach. They need tackle as well, but there's been a run on tackles here, and Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach. He's not going to want to be this bad on defense again next year, and the pay makes makes sense here, I think, for Minnesota. He's the first pass rusher off the board. Number 19, the uh, Washington football team. Uh they're going to take linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. And it's a thing for uh, for this Washington defense, right? Uh, you know, why not upgrade your the strength of your team? And why not make it even better? And, and this is a team that's built around a really good defense. And that really good defensive line, they add William Jackson at corner. So the one thing they're missing to me is a real cornerstone playmaking linebacker type and this is going to add that for them um, again this is another team that needs a tackle um, but I think they could look for that a little later in the draft um, add some competition there um, quarterback this is a, a quarterback trade up team as well I must note um, I had them deciding against it just with uh, with the Haskins thing blowing up in their face a couple years ago and I don't think they're gonna I think they'll take the plunge if they can you know if, it, if the price is reasonable but uh, one thing I've heard is that teams up in the top 10 don't really want to get all the way down here because the draft really starts to fall off around the 15th 16th picks so um, that could really help a team like the Patriots because they can still allow you a chance to get you know one of the guys from the top that slipped Whereas here at 19, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. And so Washington's going to have to trade a premium, and I'm going to have them not doing that. And they're going to get a Wusu Kormor. So they may look for a quarterback in, in the second round. Again, if, if Denver trades Drew Locke in this scenario, this is definitely a Drew, a potential Drew Locke team. Um, but yeah, so this is going to be their pick. Number 20, the Bears. Um, they're going to take Caleb Farley, the corner. Um He's just as talented as the top couple guys, but he just has has a bit of an injury history and stuff like that. So there's just a little more risk to him, but he's a talented player, and the Bears need all the talent they can get, corners and need, and um, and they and they uh they could go offense as well, tackle a, another another team that could use an offensive tackle. They could go wide receiver. Um, but I've got I've got them kind of you know they're going to be a team that wins on defense anyway, so make sure that's that's situated and you know then make sure you're giving Andy Dalton everything 
you can give him on, on the offensive side. This is another Drew Locke team. Um, so I definitely think they could uh, they could look at a move like that as well. They could look at a quarterback in the second or third round as well. But the problem is they're in a win-now situation, and I don't know if, if that's a win-now move. So I could see them being the team that just says, we're going into the year with Andy Dalton. It's going to go how it's going to go. And, um, you know, Nick Foles will be around if, if Dalton doesn't work. But, yeah. Uh, Colts, another team that needs a left tackle. But, again, you know, the board didn't really match it up for that. They're going to go with uh, with Jalen Phillips, the pass rusher. They need that as well. And um, so they're going to, you know, he, he he's decent value. Only the second one taken. He's decent value in this spot. And they're going to go ahead and, uh, and, 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 you know, fill that need now. And then they'll worry about tackle in the second round. It's a deep tackle class. And they did sign Sam Tevy, so, and the rest of their line is good. So it's not like... It's not like if the Chargers had, had passed on it, for example. Um, you know, they'll be okay. They, they could be okay still on their line with a guy like Tevi, but you did get Carson Wentz. You've got to protect him. And, um, you know, they'll probably look to do that later in the draft. But to get a guy like Phillips is, uh, you know, he'll really help their defense, and then they can worry about that later. So number 22, Tennessee. Um, this is a team that sneaky has a lot of needs. Um, they lost really, if you think about it, their third and fourth offensive skill guys in, in the offseason with uh, with Corey Davis and Johnny Smith leaving, um, leaving in free agency. Uh, you know, they'll do well with comp picks next year, but, you know, they cut Malcolm Butler, replaced him with Janoris Jenkins. I mean, so that's that's fine. I guess, but um, I think that might be a downgrade. I, I still like Malcolm Butler. I, I know he didn't have the greatest year the, year the last couple of years, but I still think he's a good player. Um, I'm a fan of his game. Uh, then you've got, um, you know, pass rush. This is still a team that, you know, even though they signed Bud Dupree, they need help getting after the quarterback. Um, they need a long-term right tackle because the Isaiah Wilson pick last year was such a disaster for them. Uh, that, you know, they need to re replace that. So it's, there's a lot of needs here. Um, I think this is a team that's primed to take a little bit of a step back next year. Uh, even though I don't think that division is going to be very good. Um, I think that might be the worst division in football next year. Either that or it'll stay the NFC East, but, um, so obviously they, they probably can't fix everything in the draft, but um, I definitely think just because the offensive weapon thing is, you know, they lost both of those guys, they lost Janu and um and and Davis. I think you gotta and, and they cut Adam Humphreys as well. So um I think they need to replace one of those two guys. And I've got them taking Rashad Bateman here. Um, He'll slide in, in in that Davis spot, and then at tight end they'll have to just figure it out. Maybe they take a guy later in the draft to compete, but um, they're gonna have to kind of just you know Anthony Ferkser maybe steps up. They're gonna have to kind of just figure that out. But uh, yeah, I've got them. I've got them taking Bateman. He'll be the Davis replacement, and um, 
so maybe offensively they can kind of keep going even if they've got some other warts on the team um Number 23, Jets. I have them taking uh, Greg Newsom. I think this is an, another team that could look look for line help, but um, board doesn't really match up here. Because, um, again, you've got to make sure that Zach Wilson is protected. Even if your defense is bad, at least make sure your offense, you're not stunting your young quarterback. But, um, Unfortunately, the board doesn't really work out here. So I've got them taking Greg Newsom. They have like no one at corner. Um, it's a wasteland. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed Richard Sherman just as like a one-year stopgap. But, uh, you know, to kind of bring in Robert Salas, uh, you know, be a messenger for him to the locker room, you know, be a leader and, and, and that stuff. Um, that wouldn't shock me. But, uh, you know, for now, you know, they would need that even if they got Newsom. So I'm going to have them taking Greg Newsom here, um, you know, to, to really start to fill that need a little bit. And um, then later in the draft, they'll look for, I definitely think they need to look more offense this draft, but I think they can probably afford one defensive pick of, of their top five picks. So, um Okay, so number 24, uh, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock, and um, I've got them doing something really dumb. I think this is a horrible pick, personally. Um, but uh, I think they're going to do it, so I'm going to have them doing it. I've got the Steelers taking running back Najee Harris. Um, I, I think this is just terrible. Um, I just don't think you take running backs this high in the draft. Like, you just don't, especially when you need your needs include left tackle. You know, center is something you can figure out later, but they need a center. They need a corner. They need a pass rusher to replace Bud Dupree. They need a, a long-term answer at quarterback. It's like you have so many needs if you're the Steelers, and running back is a spot you find later in the draft. Like, if you're so concerned about your ability to run the football – Get a couple, get, spend your first two picks on offensive linemen that you need, and then draft the running back in the third round. And yeah, you'll you'll your defensive needs won't be won't be addressed. But if you're so concerned about your ability to run the ball, that's how you address it. You don't address it by picking a running back in the first round. But all by all accounts, the Steelers are kind of locked in on on doing this, or at least in the first two rounds. So we're going to give them Najee Harris here. I think this is really dumb. But they're going to do it, and it's going to be part of their downfall. I mean, this is clearly a team in decline. Ben Roethlisberger's on his way out. There's no replacement there. They're 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 gonna they're gonna be passed next season, I'm sure, by the Browns and the Ravens in the division. They're going to be third. They're probably not going to be a playoff team, and it's going to be a bit of a rebuild here in Pittsburgh for a while. The roster is not completely barren. They've got some nice pieces. Obviously, JJ, uh, not JJ, but TJ Watt and um. And Minka Fitzpatrick are incredible pieces to build with on, on that defense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and they're so good at drafting receivers. You know, they'll all be, always be fine there. But, like, that's not a great situation at all. So, Najee Harris to, to Pittsburgh. Number 25, we've got the uh, Jaguars back on the clock. I've got them taking Christian Barmore. Um, I definitely think they could look safety here. 
Um, they could also look for beast help Trevor Lawrence. But the thing about that is, is like, I look at their offense and it's like, I think they might be able to use a lineman, but Urban Meyer has said he's fine with their offensive line and it's not that bad. Um, you know, they did franchise tag Karen Robinson at left tackle. Um, they could definitely use a tight end, but the, that's a big need. But I think that's a, a need to address at 45 or at the top of the third round, not here. Um, wide receiver, you add Marvin Jones to the young group of Chenault and Chark, and I think you're okay. Um, so I think uh, I think it's okay for them to go defense here, and they need an interior lineman, and it's a terrible class, so why not just grab the best one here and figure the rest of it out later? And that's kind of what I have them doing with uh, Christian Barmore. Number 26, the Browns um, got them taking Zaven Collins. Um, you know, he's, he's you know, a, a big linebacker, versatile, can rush the passer, can cover a little bit, um, stop the run. He can do a lot of things. And uh, this is kind of a, just kind of a, a luxury pick for the Browns defense in, in a way. Like, you know, they need an interior defensive lineman after cutting Sheldon Richardson, but that's not really available at the spot now. A corner, possibly, but, um, you know, maybe another pass rusher even, but I think I think Collins is someone. And Collins can, can the thing is, he can help the pass rush, you know. He, he can do some different things. and um, This is an interesting, interesting way to help their defense out. Uh, number 27, Ravens. Uh, they're going to take Aziz Ojolari. They're very happy he's still on the board. Um, they probably didn't expect him to make it to the spot. But uh, this is a team they need a pass rusher uh, to replace Matt Judon and, and Ngakwe, and, and this is their fix there. Um, they could also, you know, obviously they have two number ones now. That You know, they have a, another pick coming up. They could go receiver or tackle with that. But I definitely think they've got to address their edge rush. Um Number one need for sure, so they're going to get Ojolari. Uh, if Ojolari is off the board, look for them maybe to pick Jason Oway, but um, in this scenario, they get Ojolari. Um, number 28, the Saints. Uh, cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Um, you know, really good prospect, son of Asante Samuel. Uh, Asante Samuel, the good corner for a long time with New England and Philly. And you know he's he's kind of a, a guy you can uh, you can take replace Janoris Jenkins with him and um, is a critical position in their defense and they need help there so it, it kind of makes sense I think for them to make this pick. Uh, number twenty nine Packers I've got them taking this is a bit of a surprise because I think a lot of people are expecting them to go receiver here and they certainly could that's an option um, interior offensive line is also an option. Um, but I've got them taking linebacker Jamin Davis, and it's because, uh, one, I, I've, I've consistently heard that Davis is going to go in the first round, so um, him falling to the spot would be good. In that sense, you know, I, I had him in the second round before, but based on everything I've heard, I think he's a first. And just you look at the Packers front seven, and it's like, you know, I mean, they've got some good pass rushers. That that's the thing they have. But it's like the the defensive line. So a couple of the linemen they they use are on pretty you know unspectacular players. 
and linebacker, you know, it's a position they could have. You know, obviously they just lose to Devin White and Levante David in the conference championship game, and you could look at that and say, well, we want our own version of those guys. So here, here is that. Um, and then you can address, you know, some of the other need positions later. But, yeah, this is the pick. Number 30, Bills. Uh, I've got them taking uh, Jason Oway, the edge rusher. Um, again, I think they're thrilled he's here at the spot. You know, their defensive ends, uh, you know, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, they're kind of getting a little older, and um, they're headed to free agency uh, next offseason. And uh, they did draft draft a guy last year in the second round, um, A.J. Epinesa. But, um, you know, from a longer-term standpoint, getting uh, a guy like Owe, who, who's got a lot of potential, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense. And they can kind of start to plan. They're, they're in that phase of their roster where it's like, you know, we're gonna, we're just trying to kind of maintain and um, fill future needs as they come. The, the roster, pretty decent position for next year, and um, so if you think your roster is in a decent position for next year, the best thing to do is to, and that'll be a theme here. There's a couple of picks, or or in a couple of picks for sure. Um, you, you know, you look for 2022 needs, and you kind of try to get ahead of those, and. And then you look at uh, you look at that. So that that's the pick here, uh, number thirty-one Ravens. Uh, I've got them going with uh, wide receiver Kadarius Tony. I think um, tough decision here between that and offensive tackle, but uh, you know they've been looking at uh, you know a lot of people have mentioned receiver there for a long time. Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, obviously was signed, but is that necessarily good enough? Um, you know, I think it, it could be, but, and one other thing I've heard is that, you know, one of the reasons, I mean, they try to get Juju Smith-Schuster and, uh, despite offering more, he opted out against going there. The thing with the Ravens is they're such a run-heavy offense. I've heard that it's kind of a, a negative as far as trying to get free agent wide receivers to go there. So obviously Watkins decided to go, but people. You know, what other options that Watkins have, right? So, and obviously Marquise Brown was, was a draft pick, and Mark Andrews was, was a draft pick. And um, so you get a guy like Tony. And the thing is with Tony, like, they're a run-heavy offense, but he's a guy you could uh, kind of get the ball in space to. You know, maybe he can run some jet sweeps and things like that, and you can kind of get creative with a guy like that. So, um you know, I didn't anticipate this year he'll he'll be the number three wide receiver, and obviously Watkins on a one-year deal. You know, next year Tony probably in, in 2022 becomes the number two, right? So, um, you know, with Mark Andrews about to get paid, you know, you've got Andrews, you've got Marquise Brown, you've got uh, and you've got Tony, and that's your pass catching group for the long term. So. Um, again, offensive tackle. Um, but the thing is, I've heard they're going to sign Andre Villanueva. So you've got a stopgap there. Maybe it makes sense to take someone a little bit later and develop them and 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 then and then kind of go that route. Uh, whereas, you know, Tony is going to be an immediate impact guy at, at, as at least a third wide receiver. So um, then the... Bucks at number 32. And I've got some interesting insight on this one. I did some research into their 
kind of long-term planning and um you know this is the team that could go any number of directions uh obviously when you bring back every starter from a super bowl winning team you don't tend to have like a lot of glaring needs on your roster so um i will say i think uh you know i've seen running back mocked here a lot i really don't disagree with that uh i know some of these guys are in the last year of their contracts but like when you have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, uh, Gio Bernard they signed to be the third down back, and uh, you drafted Vaughn last year. I don't think there's really room for another guy. Uh, obviously, you can never have enough corners. That's a spot I could see them going maybe. Um, but they have some young talent there, so I don't really know if that's the move. Um, pass rush, you could never have enough pass rush, and maybe they see, you know, maybe they, they think about replacing JPP long-term. I don't know. Um, defensive line, they really would love Barmore to be here, but he's not, and I think it's too early to get get another guy, so maybe that's something they look at later. But um, it was it's interesting, you know? I think wide receiver is the spot they go if they decide they don't want to bring back Antonio Brown for sure. Uh, I think they're going to end up bringing back Antonio Brown at some point, and I think they anticipate that. Plus, they've got some other guys there, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, so they would be fine even without him. Um, so I think I think Antonio Brown is, you know, he's going to come back on the cheap. Um, I'm sure. And I could see a guy like, I, I know they don't have a ton of cap flexibility, but I could see a guy like Cameron Brait um, getting squeezed a little bit. You've got Gronk and you've got OJ Howard coming back. I, I really don't think they need Brait. So I could see him getting squeezed if they need a little bit of, of space. Um, I could see him potentially being a, a surprise cut in the preseason. So just looking at all of that, again, expecting Antonio Brown eventually to be back just because I don't know who else is going to sign him and he can clearly still play. So clearly Tom Brady has like a, you know, a connection with him that can keep him kind of on track. And uh, even if it's, it could be a crazy cheap contract, like $2 million for a year or something. I could see that. So just given all of that and some research I did on the, on, on the Bucks, you know, 2022 situation, I've got them taking Landon Dickerson here, an interior offensive lineman, and here's why. So their starting center is Ryan Jensen. He is on the books. He's a $10 million cap hit this year. You can cut him no, you know, and, and save the full $10 million if you want it, if they wanted to. They're not going to do that. But he's a free agent next offseason. He is going to be in into his, I think, age 31 season. So um, you've got that, and then you've got the right guard, Alex Kappa, third-round pick a, a few years ago. Um, as a young guy, he's going to be headed to free agency in a year. So just looking at that, like they're not going to be able to do pull this act off of, oh, we're going to keep all of our starters again. You know That's not going to be, I don't think, feasible. So 
I think the best thing you can do if you're them is kind of look at spots with this pick where, you know, instead of just, you know, spending it on a luxury item or whatever, like, hey, like, how can we make sure that we're situated with a guy who can, you know, backfill one of these spots so that we can keep everybody else and we can still try to win in 2022 and what could be Tom Brady's last year. So I think a guy like, like Landon Dickerson, he can play guard and he can play center and then... Um, you can decide who you want to keep between Kappa and Jensen. Um, you don't have to keep both those guys then. So I think that makes some sense for Tampa. It's not a spot I've had, I've seen them go a lot, but um, I think it makes sense. And, and just the idea, I mean, Kappa got hurt last year, right? Like, just the idea and, and his fill-in Byron Stinney, you know, who filled, filled in for Kappa did fine. But, um, you know, when you've got a 44-year-old quarterback – you know, you can, it never hurts to protect them. Um, never hurts, to, you know, to have extra depth as far as protecting them. So um, that's going to be the pick here, and we're on to the second round. So in the second round, Jacksonville is thrilled because Trevon um, Morig, I probably didn't say that right, but oh well, he's still on the board and he's going to be the pick. And, and this is somebody that uh, I think they could pick at 25. So them getting him here is a major win. Um, you know, they need a safety, and, and he's a guy that can kind of build around in the back end of the defense. Pair with some of the young, uh, you know, other young, other young players they have. Obviously, they signed Shaq Griffin at corner, and they've got uh, they've got C.J. Henderson, who they drafted last year. So that's going to be the pick here. Uh, Jets, they're going to take, uh, and that's another thing with Tampa too. They could go with one of the guard tackle types instead of Dickerson, but, um, just from a depth standpoint, but I think having the option to replace both of those potential free agents in a year makes sense for, for Tampa. Just one last note on that. So 34, I've got the Jets. They're going to take guard slash tackle Jalen Mayfield. Um, you know, you someone who could play right tackle or guard for them, um, you know, they need to protect Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, they're going to need offensive linemen. This probably shouldn't be their last pick on the offensive line in this draft. Um, so that's going to be, uh, you know, and obviously they can't make the mistake they made with Arnold. Uh, they're obviously already in a little bit better of a spot because uh, they've got Makai Becton. And, you know, he can play... Um, he can play. He's got some potential. So you've got him. So yeah, um, that's going to be the pick. Falcons at thirty-five. They're going to take another safety, Richie Grant, off the board. Um, you know they lose Keon O'Neill. Um, they need some help at that position. Uh, you know, obviously their defense really needs some help after last year. They have some young pieces is the thing, but, uh, you know, they need to continue to add to that. Obviously, they did not opt to trade down out of four, so that's going to mean they don't have all the extra picks that would come with that. And um, they're going to have to hope to hit on some of these later picks, and that's going to start here with Richie Grant. 36, we've got uh, Miami on the clock. 
and they're going to take uh, Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher. Um, you know, after, obviously after helping out Tuo in the big way with their first couple of picks, they're going to get Rousseau to help fill their pass rush need on defense. Uh, Thirty-seven Eagles. They're going to take wide receiver Elijah Moore. Um, this is again a pick, a pick to help. Uh, they didn't go receiver in round one, so they're going to do it here, and this is a way for them to help out Jalen Hurts, get him another weapon. Uh, you know, to pair with J uh, Jalen Rigor, Travis Fulgham. You know, you put those two guys with with Elijah Moore, and, and you could have an interesting receiver next year. And you know, Zach Ertz is still on the team to pair with Got Dallas Goddard at tight end. So you have some options, and I'm sure they'll run a lot of two tight end sets, which I believe is the best again best formation in the NFL on offense that you can use. And um, Ertz could still get traded, but. And really, given the year the Eagles are likely facing, trading Ertz for like a fourth rounder or so, or you know, if you could get that for him, might make some sense. But because you have Goddard, but in this case, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have them picking picking more, and then we'll see where they go from there. Bengals, uh, at 38, they'll take uh, tackle size guard Alex Leatherwood. Um, I, I'd anticipate he'd play guard there, at least initially. Like we said, like I said earlier, they need offensive line help. So this is obvious pick, um, I think, for them. They're just going to take the best offensive lineman on the board. Can't, can't let Joe Burrow get killed like he did last year. And... Um, you got to keep him upright, and um, you know, obviously, he has Jamar Chase to throw to now. But I wouldn't expect this to be the last offensive line pick in this draft for the Bengals. Um, at this, you know, either. Um, so they signed Riley Reef at tackle to help, and now between him and and Leatherwood coming in, they'll be a better offensive line next year. Number thirty nine, Carolina got them taking wide receiver Terrace Marshall again. You know, you got to help out Sam Darnold. They take Rashawn Slater earlier. Here they get a wide receiver who can, you know, bigger body, can catch some passes in the red zone. And um, that's an area the Panthers weren't that great last year. Um, not having a great tight end helps, but I still think this is a little too early for, for one. I think they might go there in the third round um, and take one of those guys, take like a Tommy Tremble, Hunter Long type, type player. But, uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take Marshall here, different type of player from Curtis Samuel, but all the same, he'll replace Samuel as the number three wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, number forty, we've got a trade, and this is gonna be New England jumping up into Denver's spot. So second trade up for the Patriots, and then Denver obviously after trading up earlier, um, they're gonna opt to trade back and kind of get some more picks. Because they gave up a lot of picks in that, uh, a lot of, you know, some later picks, you know, in large part. But, you know, they could stand to restock a little bit. This is obviously a team that I think, is especially if they do this trade-up I'm protecting, they're primed to do a lot of maneuvering in the draft. I think trading down here makes sense. And then, obviously, you look at the quarterback situation of, well, they could trade Drew Locke. They could trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Um I didn't map out a Drew Lock destination, but I expect 
both those things, you know, obviously, and that's going to bring them more picks than they're sending out if they make that swap. But, um, so I've got the Patriots getting pick 40, pick 153, and pick 237. And I've got the Broncos getting pick 46, pick 120, pick 197, and pick 242. So, and this pick is going to be um, basically the logic of this for New England is you traded J.C. Jackson to the Cowboys in your trade-up. You've got to find a way to replace him if you can. And that could come internally, I think. Um, you know, a guy like Jojuan Williams who they took in the second round a couple years ago. Has he shown a lot in the NFL? Not really. But you also have to realize, you know, has he really been given an opportunity to play in the NFL that much? Not really. I mean, you know, he, he joined a secondary that had, you know, J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore and, um, you know, Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones. And it's like, he was never gonna you know have an easy time carving out a role there so i don't think he can be totally written off if you just gave him an opportunity to see what he could do um so he is a guy that could kind of fill that role internally you've got um miles bryant is a guy who, who played a little bit last year and i think really flashed like he had a couple of interesting interceptions, and it's like, could he be the next undrafted find for the Patriots at corner? I don't think it's a complete, completely out of the question that he could be. And you could also just bring back, you know, Jason McCourty if you know neither of them works out. So you could just kind of let that stand at corner, but it's such an important position. Frankly, it's a roster that doesn't have that many other needs. You've got still a surplus of picks later in the draft that you can move up with. I don't think all those guys are going to make the team anyway. So make this move, and they're going to pick cornerback Eric Stokes. And they're going to make the move. Basically, this is going to be about uh, jumping the 49ers because I think the 49ers are going to look, look corner. And um, the, the, you're going to jump them, and you're going to get the guy you want. And um, he'll be certainly... Again, the other guys I named will have chances, but you, you maintain your depth at corner and you give yourself um, <clears throat> hopefully a guy that can grow into that position opposite Stefan Gilmore. So uh, number 41, got the Lions. They're going to take wide receiver Rondale Moore. Um, you know, obviously he's a small guy. You know, he's, he, he's kind of more of a slot guy, I think, but... You're going to have to watch him from a durability standpoint. And this doesn't totally fix the wide receiver problem for the Lions. Like, you know, obviously Tyra Williams and Brashad Perrin are probably still your starters next year, and that's just not good enough. But, um, you know, Moore can help as the third wide receiver at least. And, you know, when he's in the game, he's a guy who can really kind of make plays with the ball in his hands, and that'll help out Jared Goff a little bit. Um, I think it's likely their offense, given all this, is going to struggle next year, but more could be a bright spot. Number 42, the Giants, they're going to take pass rusher Joe Tryon. Um, you know, that's a spot they need to fix. 
on their defense. Obviously, offensive line and, and, and defensive line are really the two needs for them. So um, they're going to take the one here that they don't address in round one. And um, yeah, pretty self-explanatory pick. 49ers, obviously the Patriots jumped them. So for, for Stokes, so they're going to take Elijah Molden, the corner. Um, Richard Sherman unsigned. Jason Verrett injury prone. They need some insurance there. And it's really a roster that's in pretty good shape. But, um, you know, they have some areas they could touch up the corner. Probably the most notable. And they're going to address that here. So number 44, we've got Dallas. And they're going to take Carlos Basham, the pass rusher. They need a long-term uh, replacement. Um, you know, fill in opposite to Marcus Lawrence. Uh, Alden Smith not back, and, and Basham can fill that role. Uh, number 45, Jacksonville. This is going to be where they grab their tight end. They're going to take uh, Pat Fryermuth. Um, you know, this is a, a very much a need pick. He's the second best tight end in the draft, and uh, the the Jaguars need one tight end because the quarterback's you know, best friend out on the field and especially a young quarterback. And, uh, you know, this pick is, is going to help fill that need for them. Number 46 Broncos. Um, maybe the biggest drop of anyone, you know, from my last mock to this one, I've got Sam Cosme going here to Denver who obviously traded down. Um, you know, it's just the way the board fell. It really is, uh, you know, really is once you get past the first 15 16 picks or so you can really kind of go any which way with some of these guys so you could see guys you know that thought oh that's a second round pick go way earlier and you could see a guy who well i thought he was like a no-brainer pick in the early 20s how's he still here in the 40s well it's just kind of the way the board goes um you had a bunch of teams there at the top of the second they either wanted guys with tackle guard flexibility or like I think Cosme's probably a pure tackle from from everything I've read. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen people talk about it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I could be. But he seems like more of a pure tackle, so he's going to be a guy who could eventually replace Jawan James for them um, and protect again th their young quarterback now, Justin Fields. Um, Chargers at 47. They're taking Kelvin Joseph. Um, they they got their left tackle, so now they need a corner to replace Casey Hayward. Um, number 48, the Raiders. I've got them taking linebacker Nick Bolton. Uh, again, add some juice to their, their front seven of their defense. Uh, yeah, they, they could also look for, for look to double up on offensive line here, but I think that's a spot maybe... You know, if they took their future right tackle, maybe with their third rounders, they go... They dig at least one guard slash center. You could see that. But for here, they're going to address their defense, which still needs some work. Number 49, Cardinals. Um, this is kind of a best player available pick. Um, they're going to take Travis Etienne, the running back. Um, and they're a team that really could probably use a corner here, as I alluded to earlier. Um, but, you know, Malcolm Butler is a veteran you brought in. You've got Byron Murphy. You've got... Robert Alford maybe can play. So, eh, I mean, you could make an argument that you can get by with that if all those guys are out on the field. It's not good. It's still a need, but um, 
is it such a need that you you know pass on a player you think is, is clearly the best on the board and just looking at the Cardinals running back situation too it's like they've got Chase Edmonds um they've got James Conner that they signed to a very cheap contract but it's like are those two guys like long-term fixtures on that team I don't know so you get Travis Etienne here, and he's a guy who can really make plays in space. He can catch the ball. He's a dual threat. Um, I think he'd be a really good fit for what they want to do on offense. And, um, you know, again, the Cardinals are a team. I think, the you know, with their coach's philosophy there, Cliff Kingsbury, they're going to want to go spread four wide and one, run, one running back. <laughs> and they're going to want to get guys who can make plays in space and – they're going to load the field of playmakers, make you stop them, and then they're going to try to get a lead, and they're going to try to turn the game over to J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, and it's not going to matter if they can't cover if J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones are in your face every play, right? I mean, I think that's going to be their philosophy, and then they're going to hope a guy like Butler can maybe, you know, turn back the clock a little bit to his New England days and um, kind of go from there. So, number 50, Vikings, they're going to take tackle Liam Eichenberg. Really solid pick for them. He's just a really uh, a really sound offensive tackle, and he's I think he's pretty safe. And we're going to just slide him in and um, into that left tackle spot that they, where they cut Riley Reef. And, uh, yeah, that... Uh, that's going to fill another need for the Vikings, and they're going to be, they're going to be pretty happy now with their end of the uh, of the trade earlier because this pick originally owned by Miami. Vikings get it when they trade down from fourteen to eighteen, and they're got to be happy with this pick. Uh, Fifty-one. We've got the Washington Football Team. They're going to take Kellen Mond, a, the sixth quarterback off the board. Um, he's a guy who has some interesting potential and he could kind of develop behind Fitzpatrick and potentially uh, be the answer in a year. You know, this is a pretty significant dart throw at the, at the quarterback spot, but um, I think I think they, they could go with a, a guy like Ma, Ma. They could also go tackle here um, and either go with their quarterbacks as is or maybe this is the Drew Locke team. But for now, I've got them taking Mond. Bears, I've got them taking uh, Dylan Redunds, the uh, right tackle. Um, yeah, they have a need on the offensive line. They need to uh, kind of upgrade there and protect Andy Dalton. This year, Dalton, not a guy who's going to really do do a ton of stuff off schedule, so you need to make sure he's protected, and, and this helps do that. Um, wide receivers, another spot they could go, but the problem, well, yeah, it's not a problem, but... I just think you've got you've got to protect them. And um, Anthony Miller is, is certainly not someone the Bears are looking to count on right now. But like, if you bring him back as your third wide receiver, is that the worst thing in the world? You know, or could you just look for the spot in the third round, the guy to compete with him? Um, I still think there's ways you could address this spot later. And so yeah, we're gonna go offensive line here, and Dylan Redunds. Number 53, the Titans. Uh, they're going to take Joseph Asai, the pass rusher. Um, pass rush, even after the Bud Dupree signing, it's still a need for the Titans. They don't get after the quarterback well enough, and 
Um, you know, they do need some help on, on defense. They need some corner help as well, but they did draft. You know, addressed that in the second round last year. They've got Janoris Jenkins, so, yeah. You know, it's not great, but, you know, you could, I think you could look at that and say, uh, you know, we can, we can kind of get by. We can definitely, we can definitely get by with, with that maybe a little bit better. Um, you know, it's certainly something I think they could address, but, um, you know, pass rushing and coverage are connected, right? And, um, so the hope is by getting a side and really, you know, doubling down on improving the pass rush, well, maybe it doesn't matter as much if, if, if you have a bit of a weakness at corner. So I think this, the, you know, this is going to be the direction they go here. Uh, 54, the Colts, they're going to take uh, left tackle Walt Walker Little. So he's kind of a, a boomer bust type of prospect, it looks like, and the Colts are basically going to take him and, um, he may not start this year. Sam Tebby may start, but you know he's a guy that long term you can kind of groom to take over that left tackle spot. Obviously, it's a really good line otherwise, right? So um, you can kind of fill in there. Fifty-five Pittsburgh um, got them taking offensive tackle Brady Christensen. Um, you know, again, they should have probably addressed this in round one, but at least they're going to do it here. Um, you know, they need they need better play there. Uh, Andre Villanueva is not going to be back. Um, you've got to get a long-term answer on the offensive line, and this is the, certainly the draft class to address that. So, much better pick here than than their first-round pick. Um, so we've got another another trade here, and this is an obvious trade point. Seattle has the 56th pick, and they're only going to pick three times in the draft. So I think them moving down for picks is very likely if they can find a taker. And in this case, they find one because Tampa is going to trade pick 64 and pick 137 for the 56th pick. So Tampa giving up their fourth rounder to hop up and take defensive lineman Levi on Wujurike. And basically for Tampa, this is, uh, you know, they want defensive lines a spot they want to address. They want to get a guy that can replace Indomitian Sue in a year. And so they they really want to make this jump because they want to they want to get by Cleveland. Cleveland is is a threat to take a defensive a defensive lineman. As are the Saints. So Tampa makes an aggressive move and they're gonna go get their guy. And uh and yeah, so so you know, when in doubt, if your roster is stacked. Addressing the trenches is never a bad way to go, and making sure you've you've got a stockpile of, of players there, and now you're set. If you know in a year you don't want to pay Sue again, and you don't want to pay one of those interior linemen again, you want to go different direction. You know, as far as keeping as many players as possible with your money, then you know you've got guys who can, you know, you know, a couple young guys who can step in and fill in. So I think the good move for, for Tampa and obviously Seattle getting the extra pick is going to be big for them. Uh, number 57, the Rams, they're going to take center Creed Humphrey. Um, I believe they lost their center to the Chiefs in the offseason, so um, I believe that's how it went down. So, you know, just, just again, make make sure you, your run game can go, make sure you, you have a... 
you know, you're protecting Stafford, and, um, you know, this is the best pure center, I think, in the draft, so, besides, uh, of course, Landon Dickerson, who went end of the first, so, that's what they'll do. Uh, number 58, the Chiefs, um, obviously, this is the pick that, uh, that originally was owned by the Ravens, they're gonna take wide receiver Amari Rogers, um, they need to start to kind of look for guys who can, um, you know, skill position guys because their offense is, especially after losing a guy like Sammy Watkins and stuff like that, their offense is kind of tilting towards, at least in the passing game, really being more about, um, you know, it's, it's all about Tyreek Hill. It's all about... Travis Kelsey, and I was like, you need some of those complimentary guys, especially on cheap contracts for you know a team with Patrick Mahomes extension about to kick in. That you're gonna want some cheap guys there that can, uh, you know, really make plays when they're single covered. And Amari Rogers, the guy who can do that, he can step in right away and be their slot guy. Maybe McCole Hardman steps in as the number two next year and. Um, now Mari Rogers is your slot guy, and you've got some guys that can, um, you know, really make teams pay in single coverage. And obviously, you're going to have Mahomes getting him the football, and that's dangerous in of itself. So, um, yeah, this this is definitely a need for the Chiefs. And now that they've solved the left tackle question, they're free to address it with their first draft pick. Uh, number fifty nine, the Browns are going to take defensive lineman Davion Nixon. Again, this is. A need pick. This is filling in for Sheldon Richardson after he was released, and um, maybe they bring him back. But either way, some defensive line depth, you know, not a bad way to go. Number 60, I've got the Saints taking quarterback Davis Mills. Um, I feel like Sean Payton is definitely going to get a guy in there who can kind of develop behind Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill because I'm not really sure either of those guys are the answer. So. Mills is a guy who, if you sit him a year or two, he could potentially emerge as a starter in the long term. And, you know, if someone's going to get that potential out of him, it's going to be Sean Payton. So they're going to go with that. Bills at number 61, cornerback Tyson Campbell. Um, they could have looked, looked for this in the first round. But, you know, again, you can never have enough corners, especially when you've got the Chiefs that you're going to be trying to go against. And he's a guy that could potentially upgrade, be an upgrade long-term opposite Tredavious White. Compete in the short-term, potential upgrade in the long-term. Packers at 62. Again, they're going to pass on wide receiver. A bit of a surprise. They're going to take center Quinn Miners. He is going to be the replacement for the departed Corey Lindsley. Because, um, again, you've got to protect Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah. 63, Chiefs cornerback Aaron Robinson with their second pick. Again, can never have enough corners and... Uh, their corner play, I don't really think their corners are that great, to be honest. So, you know, upgrading at that spot is, is I think, something that would help would help them out. Um, you know, obviously, there's some other spots they could go here, but, you know, they could go with a front seven guy as well. But uh, addressing the defense in that way, I think, would help them. Uh, and 64, we've got another trade. Seattle's trading down again. Uh, Miami is going to hop back in here. They're going to trade 78, 156, and 168. So obviously uh, two of the picks, 78 and 168, they got from Minnesota in their previous trade down. 
They're also going to include pick 156. So Seattle really moving back, and they're going to have six picks now. So good, good for them, and good move for them. And Miami is targeting running back Javante Williams. Miami is another team that needs to, you know, do something at running back. And um, obviously, to have the third guy here still on the board at the bottom of the second round is something that uh, Miami's going to get aggressive and, and move up to get, um, especially with some running potential running back needy teams like in Atlanta. Um, you know, the top of the third that would, I'm sure, snap him up. So Miami is going to make this move and and address that spot. And this is going to, I think, conclude our podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll be back with uh, some more draft preview coverage and some more NBA coverage in the next few days. Um, until then, have a great day.